0: Not ready? Too, Too bad. bad. Head, Head back, face, face forward, and hold on like you mean it!
1: Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Parkcast. This is a weekly show where we discuss all the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Luke and I will be your host today as we explore Disney's Living Character Initiative – described by Disney as combining technologies to create new levels of guest interaction and bring characters to life like never before. The initiative allowed guests to meet a talking Mickey Mouse, a tiny little chef, and even a dinosaur with a flower addiction. But we can't explore all of these characters alone, so please welcome the man who, I'm still not sure, isn't just a really advanced, lifelike animatronic... It's my Review Time co-host, Dominic Lacey. So, I'm actually only
0: pre-programmed with a set amount of responses. Surprisingly, everything on the podcast so far has had a response, but you will eventually run out of responses from me and I'll just sit there going, "Uh uh-huh, yes,
1: that's right, Luke, and that'll just be the podcast from then on. I'm worried for the day that, you know, Disney comes and reprograms you and it's like, welcome to the show. Isn't that new upcharge dining experience Disney announced just great? And only a 10% price increase on tickets? They could do so much more. Yes, Disney, I love them. And all of their <laughs> new additions are for the best and for us. We, the consumer. Remember that creepy kind of adult, bald animatronic that we saw like a few months ago? What? What? It was that weird, like, bald animatronic that, like, eye-focused on you. It, like, could hold eye contact really Uh, well. Oh, yeah. The real purpose of that is just to replace you on the podcast, isn't it? Oh, yeah.
0: That's just me. I figured it out, (laughs) Disney.
1: You can't beat us. You can't beat us here on the show. That's why- If you haven't seen it, uh, maybe don't look it up because it's very uncanny valley and it'll probably give you nightmares. Yeah,
0: it's like this- Animatronic that looks like a person but has no skin. Because usually when yeah. Disney showcase their animatronics, they just don't have any skin, and it's like, can you not do that, please? It, it's very unsettling. <laughs> I do yeah. not appreciate those visuals. There's something like no. it. Basically, l- looks like they've just taken someone's skin and gone rip, and the don't brain mean just, that anymore. Yeah, the brain just don't
1: like that. Which is interesting because. As we'll talk about this episode, there is a lot of animatronics that Disney does, which are just kind of pure robotic-looking things, mm. and those look cool. They look it's fine. when it becomes too human, but not human enough, that it's a worry. Like stuff like Hondo and you know the uh, Shaman of Songs in Pandora; those look great. They're not really human, though. They're yeah. aliens. Have you seen a human animatronic that you're like, "Yep, that's a human." I remember the first time I ever saw
0: the Johnny Depp animatronic yeah. at uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it was at Disneyland in 2008. Like well, It was just debuted. And I was like, wow, it's as if Johnny Depp's right there. <laughs> and then over time, you start to realize the flaws. And I just I don't know how that works, considering that. When you look back, you sort of it's go... It's the same animatronic, yeah. Yeah, it's the exact same thing, but it just does not look realistic to me anymore. It looks quite fake. And I don't know whether Which that's almost, just because we're consistently progressing,
1: yeah. so the bar keeps I think getting raised. It's because it... Whilst now, you know, it doesn't look necessarily hyper-realistic, for when we first saw it, it was the most realistic thing mm. you'd ever seen. So you were more forgiving of the little flaws... Where now it's like, oh, well, I've seen better or I've gotten used to it over time. I can see, you know, oh, well, these eyes not quite right or this sort of minuscule things. Yeah. But the first time you see it, you're like, wow. Especially because the rest of the animatronics in Pirates of the Caribbean are a very specific stylized look. Yeah. Which kind of makes Johnny Depp, who is this more realistic human character, stand out. To look more human than it actually does as well. (laughs) I love how we're just calling him the Johnny Depp animatronic. (laughs) That's what it is. Same with the new redhead. I don't know if you've seen the new uh, auction scene. I've seen videos of it. Yeah. So same problem to me in that she is much more humanistic than the other animatronics in the scene. Yeah. Which makes her stand out for a bad way. Where the, the Pirates animatronics are very stylized. Like, they look almost exactly like the Mark Davis drawings. Yeah. So, to then put a really hyper-realistic person in kind of throws you out a little bit. And it's the same thing that happened with Johnny Depp. It's the same thing that happened with the redhead. Yeah. The, the <laughs> thing that also gets me as well with the
0: animatronics is that whenever they upgrade it, They don't integrate it in such a way where it's like, this fits with everything. Like, Pirates of the Caribbean is a very old attraction now. And when they integrated the Redhead, the old, like, salesman sort of guy,
1: he still has, like... he. He was the first uh, A1000, one of the first. Not not in terms of the movement. he looks great. But the thing that really bothers me
0: is that the Redhead recording is super crisp. There's like no noise. Mm. You can tell it was recorded in a studio. And then you've got the other people who all sound like they were recorded in the 70s, which they likely Uh, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it's just like it doesn't match up. You can tell that they just went plop. Here we go. Yep, that works. I think that's a problem that they're going to come to in like 10, 20 years time when they have to keep on updating these attractions and yeah. keep them modern is that there's just that
1: technology brackets that, you know, you mm. go outside of. And Well, I heard a, I heard an interesting thing today and it kind of makes sense. That whole thing, it's like, why do we keep touching the classics mm. instead of, you know, retouching the attractions from the last 20 years? And it, it seems like this thing, and someone made a good point where it's this, Everyone wants to have their own little touch on a classic. Yeah. For you to be able to say, I added this to the Haunted Mansion. I added this little scene to Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a lot more powerful than say, oh, I added a Piglet animatronic to the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we constantly see like Haunted Mansion has just, it's about to reopen With Disneyland and it's had another, you know, overhaul to add just a few little bits and pieces again. And, you know, there's probably attractions that need it more, but everyone wants their hand on that little bit. And it's how we get stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean, where when they first brought in the new auctioneer, he was an awesome animatronic. He still is, but he fits in with the scene. Where then it became, oh, I want to add my little touch on Pirate. So I'm going to add a hyper-realistic Jack Sparrow, incredible animatronic, Yeah, even if it doesn't quite fit stylistically in the scene. Same thing with the redhead. That redhead is an awesome animatronic, but looks out of place in that scene. Yeah.
0: And it also brings on that. You know, in saying that, you've got the Imagineers who come in. They're like, hey, I'm the person who fixed the cultural problems or, you know, made it more politically correct on these classic attractions. And I updated it to the modern times. I would honestly say that some people at Disney, some of the Imagineers would be like, yes, I was more proud of the work I did on the classic attractions than some of the like... 100% completely original attractions that I got to design yeah. because it's that whole thing. Like, you don't go and work for Disney without being some sort of fan of Disney. Yeah. And Disney Imagine knows saying, that. Yeah. Like-,
1: <laughs> like, next to my designs are Mark Davis original characters on mm. Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, that, that's awesome. And the person, recently they did this really cool thing where they turned one of the original Mark Davis concepts into reality at Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland. So, it wasn't something that had ever been in the ride before. So, it was like a plus one in addition. Yeah. But it was still from those original designs. So, it still fit really well with the story. But today, we're going to talk about very futuristic designs of animatronics and characters. Because we're talking about the Disney Living Character Initiative. This has almost been going for 20 years and is kind of still going today even though they don't really refer to it that much anymore. But I can definitely see things that are happening today that if they happened 10 years ago would have been called Living Character Initiative. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, just because they don't give it that title doesn't mean it kind of doesn't live on in spirit. Uh, But according to Disney, the Disney Living Character Initiative is a combination of audio animatronics, digital puppetry, talking characters, live interaction, two-way communication, artificial intelligence, and the next technology enhancement with packages ranging from six inches to eight feet tall, all designed to enhance the guest experience in its simplest form. According to them, the living character initiative is Disney magic. To boil all that down in its most basic form. These are characters designed to truly interact with guests, not just silently wave or mime a camera to take a picture but they actually have a back and forth with the guests. That be whether their characters are on screens, in full suit characters like a Mickey or a Minnie, or animatronics. Well, the examples that I could give
0: for this that I personally experienced myself, like there's the very obvious ones, like your Turtle Talk with Crush, um, yeah, which they- Add into any spare room in any <laughs> theme park that they can. I swear that it's is on like. It's cruise
1: ships now. Yeah, it's in one on of the, the cruise ship The restaurants. <laughs>
0: um, but then you've got Stitch's Great Escape, I think it is. Uh, Stitch Live. Stitch Live, or it, it was called, I think, Stitch's Great so- Escape at Hong Kong. Because he does escape at was- the end. It's like. What? So the, the <laughs> Why whole... would they call it that? I don't know. It's not
1: Stitch's Great Escape. It wasn't Stitch Live. It was uh, There's something quickly called Luke, like Take the Stitch's... wheel. <laughs> There's some There's another one that's called something weird like Stitches Intergalactic Greeting Activity or something like that. Stitch
0: encounter. Sorry, yeah, I was wrong.
1: <laughs> like I often am. <laughs> I was gonna say so... That's a brave thing to call it after a terrible attraction.
0: Ugh. Don't don't remind me. That was not the living character. That was just a bad animatronic. But yep. Stitch Encounter <laughs> well, animatronics was like- The animatronic's the only good part. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. It's just a bad experience as a whole uh-huh. because it took over an amazing attraction. But we'll talk about that mm-hmm. another day. Uh, <laughs> Stitch Encounter was like, this was always a really odd one to me because what they did is they must have had some spare space under Space Mountain mm. in Hong Kong. So what they did is you sort of go behind the scenes to queue and then you go back into the mountain in like a back entrance and then in there is a room in which you can interact with Stitch and and the show's fairly straightforward it's always the same thing it's like there are three beats. They have one where hmm. it's like, "Oh, we've found out about a galactic stowaway," and so they pick someone like a man, and they're usually the the person who they make fun of because they look rugged. And that was always me
1: because I <laughs> was usually the only white dude there. Um, the the, the, the that guy. If you've seen Monsters in Cloud yeah. essentially. The that guy, the which that we'll guy. talk about that one. I'm sure because it's one of my favorites.
0: And then he'd often pick out a couple and pick on them and be like, "Ooh, smoochy, smoochy." Um, but it was pretty <laughs> cool because he'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to talk to these people. Uh, third row from the back, second to the left." Yeah, and like the way he interacted was really natural. You could tell. Like, I'm still not sure
1: whether he was in a room just behind there, but you could see. But it wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. I think is the is the point. For a lot of these, I know, for like Monsters, Inc. Laugh loop, yeah, the room is essentially directly behind the screen. Mm. But in some of these that we're going to talk about later, the room can be in a completely different city. Oh! so <laughs> that's uh, Because of the way that this is set, usually, where there's cameras and stuff looking at the audience, they don't necessarily have to be anywhere near them. As long as there's a low enough latency, they could literally be in a different country.
0: That's true. I guess as
1: well, like with fiber technology coming through, they could
0: really do it from like Disney's living initiative HQ. But this, (laughs) like it ended up finishing with he'd interact with the crowd and they'd be like, I've got to escape and only we could see a map and then we'd be like, oh, go to the left. Mm. And if he went the Mm. wrong way, it was like the bare bones of interactivity. It was basically like a
1: fur character on a screen. Um. Which So, if you haven't experienced this, the same technology is in this Stitch Encounter. It's in Total Talk with Crush. It's in Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. There is a screen, but essentially characters are being puppeteered and voiced live by performers, yeah. which allows them to interact with guests directly in the audience. But Dom, this is probably going to be the best time to ever bring up one of the quintessential <laughs> Dom and Luke <laughs> stories that is related to this attraction, Stitch Encounter. I know at Tokyo Disneyland. So, yes. Tokyo Disneyland, there's a, a tiny bit of a language barrier, but most of the attractions you can perfectly ride fine without understanding a word in Japanese. Yeah. The storytelling's so strong, and Disney stories are never that intense anyway. No. So, we, we've been riding everything. We've ridden almost everything, but there's a few things we haven't tried. So, it's our last day at Tokyo Disneyland. It's getting towards the end of the day, and we see stitching counter and you go oh stitching counter it's the same as hong kong you know it's it's easy to follow along don't worry so we walk up we we we're ready for this attraction this poor Japanese, tiny little Japanese female cast member runs up to us and she's like, please, please, um, Japanese talk show, <laughs> Japanese talk show. She had no like English. this distraught <laughs> expression yeah.
0: on her like, face as real- well. <laughs> she was also like, she had her arms yeah. in like a cross in shape cross. at her like, chest no. to be like, no, don't go in. And we just both <laughs> looked at her and went, yes. Yes. And then <laughs> just walked walk past. straight
1: past her and you could see she was like uh. Oh, oh, no. So we're, we're feeling good about ourselves We're going to experience, you know, some of this amazing Tokyo Disney uh, ex- attractions So we sit down and we sit up the back because, you know, we're rebels Yes, and that's it, where the, right the cool, at the back The cool dudes sit And it gets to the, the first part of the show And we have no idea what's going on, of course Because it's <laughs> completely in Japanese I- and it's a Japanese talk show But they get to a point where they pick out a member of the audience they zoom in on this guy. They start talking to him, and the guy doesn't speak any
0: Japanese. It's- and he just leans into the microphone. He's like, uh, "Uh, I don't speak Japanese."
1: And I can't remember who it was, but one of us turned it to was the other me. and literally said, "Why would you come in here if you don't speak Japanese?" I'm like, "What sort of oh, wait. idiot
0: would come in here?" Meanwhile, here we are, not knowing an inkling of Japanese, I can can count to ten. They'd be like, oh, what are you here for? Um,
1: Itchy. (laughs) That's one. That that and the story of when we're on the Jungle Cruise and they said something (laughs) and then all the guests look at us and laugh and we still have no idea what they said, but it must have been something very funny about two white males in my, the crowd. my general impression was that it was probably something like,
0: now we're going to get lost in the jungle, like how these guys have gotten lost on this ride. <laughs> it yeah. was probably- We were just like, huh? And probably
1: our expression made it funnier. Yeah. If you go to Tokyo Disneyland, the only attraction, in my opinion, you shouldn't do if you don't speak Japanese is Stitch gown and maybe Turtle Talk with Crush. <laughs> Learn from our mistake. Listen to that poor Japanese cast member out the front who was really trying to tell us that we're not, the next 20 minutes are going to be very confusing. There was also
0: the mobile phone fiasco where oh. So you had to book one of the experiences. I'm just, I'm going to say it here because I feel like it's going to be one of the few opportunities that we can tell this mm. story. It's another language barrier problem. And so we had been on the phone to Disney, like
1: Disney Guest Services, I guess. Um, yeah. You would call up this number and to they'd make give reservations. You... If if you're not if you're in to make reservations at Tokyo Disney, you don't anymore. But you used to have to reserve on the website, but you could only do so using a Japanese credit card. Mm. You couldn't make reservations day of uh, at the restaurant. You could make reservations day of, but over a Phone line. Yeah. So, you would yeah. have to call, say that you're English, and then they give you an English cast member who would help you out. Um, no, there was a translator. Oh, that's right. Yeah. so, so we you still, were... It was interesting because you rang up and you essentially started talking English and they'd just be like, "Uh, one second. And then, like, five minutes later, a second person would come. So, you'd talk to them in English and then they would translate live. And you could hear it happening. And then the cast member would talk and they would translate it to English. That would have to be so horrifying.
0: Like, yeah, could you just imagine on the fly, you get a call and it's like, oh my gosh, this person's not speaking my language. But I now <laughs> have to figure out what language they're speaking to get yeah. someone to help out. Um, <laughs> but then what happened was, I remember they said, oh, just go to the front entrance and sort it out with them. Was it... So, we... No, it was weird. I can't... Yeah, yeah, it, was, like, it was very odd. Rang. There was and a bit like, of uh... mistranslation. Yeah. So, we ended up going to the front of... It was the golden horseshoe, I think, or the diamond horseshoe. Yeah. And we go there and there's this very polite, very young Japanese girl who's at the front who did not speak any English and she sees us walking over and... You know, you could see as it always attack. happens <laughs> when two blokes rock up and it's like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm going to have to talk to them. Um, so, you know, we're like, oh, can we get a reservation? You know, we're, we're trying to bridge through the the language barrier. Yeah. A lot of younger people in Japan, um, a vast majority of them do know English. It's similar situation to Hong Kong, where a lot of them are just very shy to use English as yeah. well. Um, so... She was getting the general gist of what we were saying. We're like, we want to make a, a reservation. She then pulls out her phone and says, mobile. And we yeah. both pull so out you, you our mobile reservation on the phone. Yeah. And she's like, mobile. And we're like, no. No. And we <laughs> point to our mobile and wave our fingers over it, like, no. And so she looks at her mobile, looks at ours. Looks back up at us <laughs> and she's like, What? You're mobile? holding your mobile. And what we were trying to get across is that it's like, oh, we don't have like signal or Wi-Fi or yeah, anything. We couldn't yeah, get no a-
1: internet, no service. So here we are
0: <laughs> where she's like, Do you have a mobile? And we're there standing with the mobiles <laughs> no. in our hand, pointing at, going, no, no. <laughs> she's no, like, we don't. What? <laughs>
1: all the car, uh, the Tokyo Disney has the greatest cast members because of the they had to put up with us on that trip. Oh yeah, 100%. We try like I love Tokyo Disney but and we we just wanted to experience it. They've changed a lot since you can book a lot more online now. But there was kind of a for a while there and I'm talking, you know, 20 years ago, especially and it li- you saw the little ends of it when we were on there. It was really hard to do a lot in Japan Unless you were Japanese yeah. at the Tokyo Disney Resort. So for tickets, for example, we couldn't buy tickets to go to the park online. Yeah. We had to go to a Disney store at in Tokyo to be able to buy tickets because I don't know what... They, there is a reason behind it. You had to have a Japanese credit card to purchase anything on the website Which is you also had to put down if you wanted reservations for dining or anything like that. Unless you had a reservation at the hotels, then you could do whatever you want, (laughs) essentially. Well, Um, it was one of those weird things where you used
0: to be able to use a a travel card and you could get around mm -hmm. it if you had a travel card with yen on it that would then go into sort of like you would get details that- were recognized as a japanese card but if you just tried to put like a general card on there it would just flat out reject it it would say
1: this is there is a legality thing behind it i think as well it's something to do probably a tax thing or something like that or something like that it's not just them doing it because they don't feel like it Mm. but now i think that it's a lot easier uh thankfully yeah to do that sort of thing (laughs) so you won't have those issues that's the only two times as well. in the whole time we're in Japan, we had any form of language barrier issues. We should do we f- a figured it out. podcast episode on Tokyo Disney.
0: Have we already done that? Nope. Nope. Oh, well, there we it's go. A, it's going to be a long end, but oh, <laughs> stay yeah. tuned for those. It'll, it'll be a big one. Maybe we should do it in that sense of we'll talk about it. And then we'll talk about the history and all of that. But The specifics. Yeah. So, True. other Let's living character <laughs> initiatives that I've experienced. Well, the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. What Um, else do you know? Is also Mickey Mouse. But did you want to talk about that one later?
1: Yeah, we'll we'll start right back at the beginning. So, the first ever Living Character Initiative character was Lucky the Dinosaur. So, Lucky the Dinosaur, if you don't know, is a completely original character. So, this is Mm. an eight-foot-tall green dinosaur uh, who carried around a giant, essentially, cart filled with what looked like flowers. (laughs) Didn't speak any English, this character, but would interact with guests through sounds and motions and stuff like that. And he was first debuted in the parks and Disney California Adventure in 2003. Yeah, this This animatronic could completely walk by himself, he could interact with guests, vocalize, he was able to sign autographs using his mouth, holding a pen. This was a completely free roaming character. There was no cast member inside driving him. He could... He had cameras and everything. He could completely think for himself. And the cart that he carried was actually cleverly concealing a giant computer battery. um, Essentially everything that made him alive. Oh, wow. This is really early on in the stage... If you haven't seen it, look up a picture of Lucky the Dinosaur. He carries this massive cart. And we'll talk later on how small the living characters got in the end. But he needed this massive system to essentially be his brains. Mm. To sent all the information then to the animatronic who would walk, pulling this cart behind him, talking you know, to guess, interacting, signing autographs, all these sort of things.
0: It's a very clever way of doing this because basically if you look at it, you know, if you were, I guess, tilling soil with an old till, um, way back in the day, you know how you like grab onto the handles and then behind you, you've got the cart. Well, if you were just pulling pull a cart, it. Luke, <laughs> I don't know Which why I tried exactly to do it. Which is what he's doing. Sowing the <laughs> land. Um if you are pulling a cart, you know, you've got your your legs pushing it. And that's entirely mm. what it was doing. It wasn't like yeah. wheels pushing it. This animatronic is just Pulled grabbing the onto these. Pulled its own brain, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of wild, but it's very clever in the way that how it's designed is that all of the wiring, all of the power, just everything is all, you know, goes through those mm. poles. So, it was one of those limitations of the time from what it looks like where... The technology is all there, but it's not small.
1: Um, Which this is it. This is the beginning of the Living Character Initiative. Mm. But what it does is something we're going to see a lot. It's underutilized. So it's it's a DCA in 2003 because, you know, dinosaurs, Disney California Adventure in the first couple of years. There's definitely a lot of dinosaur related stuff. I have a feeling that was because that park <laughs> didn't have enough to do. And then they sent it over to Animal Kingdom in 2005, where it's there for like a month during the the like busy summer period. And then they send it over to Hong Kong Disneyland, where he appears for like a month. What? And then he's never pretty much seen again. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he went to Hong Kong. Oh, it was there yeah, for so opening. Yeah. Uh, they send him and they send one later as well. And I feel it has to do with that whole idea we've talked about before where you want more stuff at a park like Hong Kong. They just wanted to be able to say, oh, we've got this, we've got that, we've got this. And Lucky the Dinosaur really set the scene for all of these. If you look at him now, yeah, sure, it's a bit bulky, but this is 18 years ago and there's a fully autonomous animatronic... Moving of his own accord. It's still very we impressive. We still don't really see this today. No. If you think the kind of stuff that fakes it now we see. So that like mech walker at Pandora. Yeah. That kind of looks like an animatronic is carrying a man. But it's actually just a a stilt walking suit essentially. It's a very impressive also, suit. Yeah. There's also recently uh, Tomorrowland had the guy who was like a robot. And he'd, like, roll around on a Segway, but it was just a performer in a suit. Hmm. It wasn't actually a robot. This was actually a robot. And this really sets the scene for things to come. This idea of autonomous moves by itself, no cast member inside it. Mm. Though, interestingly, the next step for them was to just
0: go straight into screen-based characters. Like, they, yeah. they established the Living Character Initiative with this full, autonomous, physical animatronic that moves around the parks. And then they're like, yeah, oh, let's chuck it behind screens. That's easier. Which is very... Would Michael
1: I... Eisner of
0: the time. Like,
1: let's, let's no, admit so the, It's the whole idea of the Living Character Initiative isn't animatronics. Mm. So, you have to think of the Living Character Initiative as this bigger picture item. It's this grander than us of- all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like this idea of this interactivity, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's not about creating the best animatronics or creating, you know, the most lifelike animatronics. It's about how can we get interaction between our characters, which are generally just thought of as mute, static, head, you know, this sort of thing where you can't talk back and forth. They, are, You can talk to them and they might mime a yes or a no or something like that. How do we go past that? How do we create back and forth with these characters? Yeah. So that's why this next one that we look at, which we talked a little about before, so Toyota Talk with Crush, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, and Stitch Live were just another way to achieve that. And in some ways, even though it's not a big impressive animatronic, it actually achieves the back and forth better than Lucky the Dinosaur. Yeah. Because it uses,
0: like, as you were saying before, the best way to describe it is that these are digital puppets. Um,
1: yeah. So, from what I know, they essentially use an Xbox controller Yeah. to control these characters. So, they'll have, you know, a microphone in front of them. They'll ha- be holding a controller. That allows them to move around. That allows them to raise their hands. Those sort of things. And, yeah, exactly. It's a puppet that you're controlling with an Xbox controller that's being rendered in live time by computers, mm. essentially. So
0: it seems like it's that thing where a lot of the buttons that they would have. I don't think it's necessarily an Xbox controller, but from what I understand, it is like a a controller designed so that if you push this button, then the character does this. If you push this. There definitely
1: it- is one that is. I think it's the Singapore. So it's not Disney, but the Singapore Universal donkey live attraction specifically in the casting notes is like is comfortable with using a controller similar to an xbox controller to <laughs> control the character and it's like oh okay they are getting the real gamers in there oh uh, well that's uh, basically
0: what it is it's, it's like gaming so you push down a, a button and that may change your character's expression <laughs> because they noticed that there were Only a few sort of expressions and animations that the characters could use. Like I watched Stitch live a uncomfortable amount of times (laughs) just because I was really interested in seeing how it all worked. Like I figured out where all the cameras are, where everything like, you know, how how it all works essentially. But from what I gauged is that Stitch is basically on rails the character yeah, okay. can only move back and forth horizontally. However, if he yeah. did want to yeah. progress with movement, he would have to press a button that would move the animation along. Yeah. Um, but then his expressions and where he was looking, there were only like four expressions. That was like really excitable. But when he did that, he would mm. like start bouncing as well. Um, there was also... Uh, one which was like really sad There was one which was really shocked And then there was one which was like angry And so it was just yeah. the, the basic four emotions Of the emotion yeah, yeah.
1: pyramid But then which I, I think Especially like that's how you have to do something You know, a Stitch or a Turtle Talk Where it is that extended period with the same characters Or I think something like Monsters, Inc. Laugh Lore is even less than that, it's kind of moved back and forth. I believe the mouths are automatic based yeah. on what the characters are saying. Because um, there was the one apart time- from Monsters, Inc. Love Floor, I guess it is the same with Turtle Talk and Stitch, is this, it's really about the characterization just as much as it is about how the character moves. You have to sound like Crush a little. Yeah. You have to sound like Stitch enough to sell it. <laughs> well, there was one time where I was watching Stitch-
0: Live or Stitch Encounter or Stitch Escape, whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever it's called Uh, at this park. (laughs) There was a time I was watching it and the microphone got crackly. I don't know why, but it was just like. (laughs) And as that sound was coming through the microphone, Stitch's mouth was moving. So that confirms to me that it is just
1: automated to sort of try and match. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what they use in a lot of video games. Same with most animation. It's just you can forgive it a little. Um, Of course, my favorite of these three is Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. I'm a sucker for Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. True. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I really do like this attraction. And I'll let you all in on a little secret. Oh, what's Uh, the secret? One time in Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, I was that guy. Mm. But that's not the secret. The secret is I was that guy when I was working (laughs) on a break.
0: (laughs) I I used to work on Lane Street.
1: Yeah, I'm sure as, as some of you know, but we used to have extended break periods because we worked with parades and fireworks and shows. So if there was no parade or firework or show, there was essentially nothing to do. And in that break period, if we changed our clothes back into street clothes, we were allowed to go and explore the park. So sometimes we would get fast passes. Usually we just ride the People Mover or see the Carousel of Progress. <laughs> one time we went to Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor and I was that guy. So I might be one of the few in the world who can say I was paid to be that guy. That is awesome. I remember you telling me about that and I'm like, wow,
0: that just seems very inefficient that you would have like these hour long breaks. <laughs> I'm like It was like yep. a couple of hours where they would just be like, all right, there's nothing for you to do. Do whatever
1: you want. Yeah, it changed a lot even in the time I was there. I think they realized that it was silly to have people on... Well, they do a thing where it'd be like, okay, so Day Parade finishes at four, you have to be back on stage at seven. Mm. All you have to do before seven is you have to do, you know, you have to set up the ropes, for example.
0: That would take...
1: If you had a group of ten people, that would take five minutes. Yeah. But then it became a... Disney's realizing they're losing money. Just go stand in the street. (laughs) Yeah. For three hours instead. Going, And yeah. that, that happened in my change. um, And then they got rid of Night Parade after I left. So, there's very few people who do my job anymore. So, mm.
0: And didn't they change they it cut-
1: so that it was
0: like that position doesn't really necessarily
1: exist anymore? So, you don't necessarily... No, it still does. Oh, okay. Uh, Disneyland, that position doesn't exist. They pull people from other attractions and stuff uh, during parades and fireworks Hmm. and stuff like that my job still exists the part that doesn't we used to have fast pass for parades and fireworks and shows they don't offer that anymore so that was the one where you'd get the big breaks because you were working fast pass and if there's no attractions that require fast pass that's why you'd have such a long break yeah you were employed essentially as my disney experience Fast pass, parades, fireworks, and shows that day. Mm. That's why you had big breaks okay. where you wouldn't necessarily normally. Well, yeah. Got tell paid me to be that guy. Tell me, look, what's the benefit of the living
0: character initiative? Like, wh- why would Disney go down the route of doing Turtle Talk with Crush, Monsters Inc, Laugh Force, Switch Live? What What did they get out of it
1: in these experiences? Uh, so, one of the big things is an attraction that has this rewatchability. So rides people like to redo rides because you can you can't really simulate that experience, you know, of airtime or speed or whatever it is. But with shows, they found a lot of people, you know, with a philhar Magic or something like that would see the show once and it would be done. One of the benefits to these living character initiative shows, Total Talk with Crush, Monsters Inc, Stitch Live. They are different every single time. They're yeah. improvised by the performers. Sure, you're going to see similarities every time. But there's times where, like, once I went to Turtle Talk with Crush and the, the, the Crush was, like, talking to this little girl who had sunglasses on her head and Crush was being a, a classic Aussie dude stuff. <laughs> he was like, Ch- oh, chuck, on your, chuck on your goggles, dude. And the girl just didn't understand what chuck on your goggles meant because that's a very Australianism. Yeah. So it's like she was like confused. Was like, yeah, just chuck them on, dude. So she picks them up off her head and just throws them at <laughs> Crush's screen. <laughs> like this sort of stuff. Then, you know, Crush is riffing on that, bantering on that, all the audiences laughing, kids, adults alike. These sort of things can't happen with a pre-recorded show. Mm. It's the same every single time. That's why I loved Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. It had a very little weight a lot of the time. (laughs) And it genuinely made me laugh because of how strong the performers were interacting with the guests.
0: It's a super unique attraction as well. Like, there really isn't much like it out there that I can think of. I think that that's sort of... It's unfortunately towards the back of people's minds, whenever they see it, I think a lot of people go, oh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. It's like a talk show type ride. Oh, skip
1: that. Um, I I think it's even the the sign doesn't sell what it is. The description of it doesn't sell what it is. But it's this thing when when I work there, anytime family friends would come, I'd make sure to see it because short waits, of course, but Mm. it's definitely worth it. You would rarely wait more than a show. So it's about a 15 minute show and you'd rarely ever have a wait more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Great time uh, ratio and sit down in the AC and genuinely pretty much everyone's going to get a laugh out of this show. My... Like it's well
0: written... Like, I I really liked the show, and I saw it a lot when I was with you. Something I did notice, though, a change, whether this was just pure luck or coincidence, is I noticed that when I went back, there was a lot less variety in the show. They would consistently do sort of similar uh, jokes and similar gags, whereas when I saw it with you, there was a lot more.
1: Like, there were different characters So, from what I understand... Um, And just from seeing the show a lot and having talked to some people who've worked it before, for each segment, so there's the Mike Wazowski parts, which are pre-recorded, and then there's the breaks between. So you've got, you know, your first break, your second break, and then the third break, which is where they do the jokes from the audience part. The first and second break actually have different scenes that can be ran. The thing is, some of those scenes are much more difficult than others, to effectively do well to get a laugh. So yeah. For example, the first scene, there's the one where it's like, hey, we're going to retell the story of Monsters, Inc. using people from the audience. That's the easy one. yeah, Because you can show a little kid who's Boo and everyone goes, no, you can show a, a big dad who's Sully and everyone <laughs> goes, ha, 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 ha. There's another part there which is called like the box of mystery or something which I've seen that with a really talented performer and that kills, but I've seen that with a less talented performer and it's dead space for four minutes. Even a less talented performer can do the, Hey, we're going to retell the story of monsters Inc and get a laugh just because of the way it's written. You pick the people who it's funny to show, then it's going to be funny. You don't need that improv back and forth talent. Where the mind reading one was one performer and one audience member with a back and forth. Yeah. So I think, and then the same with the second scene, there's a couple of different things that you can pick. So the one that could be the thing where over and over was the map one
0: where they're like, oh, yeah, I don't like that. Here's a map. Oh, where are you from? Oh, the
1: Eiffel Tower. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That one. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw that multiple times
1: in a row. I'm like, all right, I'm uh, done. (laughs) Yeah. Which, as well, I think when I was there, there was really only, you know, four or five people who ever did the show. So, they probably got into the groove Mm. of it. I'm not sure what that's like now. Um, There's generally only two performers who do the whole show. Oh, wow. So, um, at a time. So, the you know, the first, there's a male and a female usually. So, the first person will do the first little scene, the, like, purple guy. Uh, And then it'll go back to Mike Wazowski. And then the two-headed monster is both of them. And then the female will often do the little kid, Mike Wazowski's nephew. Yeah. Okay. And then that's kind of it.
0: Yeah. Ah, cool.
1: Hopefully, they do a bit more then. Uh, It could have just been the thing where you got really unlucky. Yeah. uh, I'd say a lot of it came down to just...
0: You know, coincidence, it could have been the performers at the time. Like, yeah. we were only there for a short amount of time, um, admittedly. So, that could just come down to, yeah, maybe it was an off like week draw. for them. And they were like, let's just once, do this. 100%. It's very funny it's if you've never seen it before. Definitely. If you don't know what to expect. It. Yeah. So, basically, what we figured out is that now Disney can have attractions that are wholly unique. Like, it's unique to you. Yep. And you get to take away that experience and go to people like, hey, when we saw Turtle Talk with Crush,
1: girl Crush. yeeted her <laughs> sunglasses. Um, yeah. I like not, that. And imagine what it would be like for the kids, you know. Oh, yeah. To be able to say, I talked with Crush. I, you know, me and Stitch, we worked together on a secret, like this sort of thing. And we've talked about these two different parts so far, these two different ways. So, these physical characters and these animated characters. Mm. And these kind of become the two ways that we see the Living Character Initiative grow. The next one that's kind of considered Living Character Initiative, but not really. Big one, people know him, people love him, Push the Talking Trash Can, yeah. which is literally a trash can that would roll around and raz guests and stuff, yeah. essentially, yeah. <laughs> as, Named, of course, because the Disney trash cans famously have the big push letters on them. This is a robot that would roll around and essentially banter with guests, generally riffing on them. Like, he's a bit of a nut. Like, it's funny. bit sassy. Yeah. He's got his voice and sounds a bit like this.
0: And it would sort of just, like, point out things. Like, there was one. So, uh, Bush was at Hong Kong Disneyland when I was there. And I love seeing push, mm. and it's genuinely unannounced. So, most yeah. of the time, you'll just so cast come members across. will know, but guests won't. Yeah. So, yeah. it's not like on any of the advertisement or anything mm. like that when you go into the park and it's like, this is the schedule for today. It just, there was nothing like that. So, yeah. you would just come across. Push, and Push was always fascinated with me because I had, you know, the Mickey ears, I had lots pins, of pins, yeah. I was usually wearing a Disney shirt, and he'd be like, oh my gosh, it's Disney's biggest fan, <laughs> and just sort of, like, <laughs> rip on me, and everyone would, like, just sort of enjoy that, and I was happy to be the butt of the yeah. jokes,
1: like, and
0: I really like Push, have you ever had, like, an experience with Push?
1: No, so I know of Push, uh, Push, Finished up about a year before I started working at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, he was there for like 20 years, mm. which is a good run. Uh, the weird thing about Push is wasn't created by Disney. Yeah. So Push actually is pre-living character initiative, but is kind of that same idea. So, Push would walk around and talk to the guests, roll around, I guess, essentially. So, he was there from 1995 to 2014 Ooh. at the Magic Kingdom. Um, but the guy who ran him is named Daniel Deutsch. This guy was essentially contracted by Disney to do push. Mm. And then uh, I believe other people were trained and stuff like that. So one time they were trying to make uh, push the mayor of Tomorrowland. And then he had like a big vote for push button, I believe, at one <laughs> point. Um but the cool thing—if you can't see him anymore, unfortunately, because he doesn't exist—but you could always f- see if you knew what to look for. You could kind of see the person who was performing him, because it was a guy who had like a duffel bag with his hand in it, and he'd have his kind of his hand over his mouth. Yeah. So on his thumb, yeah. I remember
0: seeing this because I would always point him out. He'd always wear the same stuff as well. It's like a mm. a white shirt, it's His uniform, and <laughs> yeah, you know, jeans. But yeah, he had a cap. And mm. a duffel bag, so he had his yeah. hand in his duffel bag, and that would control Which push. Is, yeah, but then he, he also had stuff. on his thumb was a microphone. Yeah, so he'd sort of just walk around like if you imagine as if you're like chewing on your nail, but he'd yeah. be within like he would be able to see push. From the corner of his eye. So he would often have sunglasses as well. So it would just be like looking away and then just like going like this. And if anyone went near him, he would just immediately move away. Yeah. (laughs) Like he would just avoid
1: people like the plague. Yeah. So he, so Push isn't in the same way, you know, where he could be far away on a completely different city. Push had the performer visible. If you knew what to look for. Which
0: was always fun because you'd be like, oh, there's Push. Oh, and there's Push's Push. Yeah. That's Push as well. Which, of course, (laughs) gives him
1: essentially better eyesight than some of these characters that rely on cameras because he can see you in your loud shirt and stuff by walking past and know, okay, I'm going to go raz this guy. It gives him a bit of freedom to walk around, see what he's going to do next. Uh, Push was so popular, they kind of rolled him out to multiple parks, as you said. Yeah. But- Disney's Animal Kingdom had two unique versions of Push. One was called Pippa, who was a recycling version of Push and would essentially go around razzing people to recycle. (laughs) Uh, But that was only in the uh, Planet Watch area. Uh, Yeah. So you know the part you have to catch a train to. Yeah. And then, randomly, the weirdest one is they used to have a talking palm tree that would roll around right... Past the turnstiles at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and the same thing would just Raz guess. But his name was Wes Palm. Is there a pun there? Because I'm missing what? it. Wes Palm. Palm. Wes Palm. W E S Palm. Yeah, I don't get that. I like, yeah. I know
0: that area just past the gate to Animal Kingdom. Yeah. They love just put random stuff
1: there. Yeah, they used to have uh, Miss Ivy there as well. Yeah. Like the. the- tree woman who would kind of just stand there have you a ever lot seen of the time the video if you don't know where she slips yeah, yeah it's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> cuz she's okay right she's all right
0: yeah. <laughs> but if it's you like just want a good floor, laugh i think and
1: she just goes whoop <laughs> just any character falling any over is very funny to me character
0: compilations like the one yeah. where Mrs incredible walks out oh, on stairs okay. <laughs> She trips over and her face falls off. And, and then the she guy, just the turns kind of around. host of the show is like, oh, don't Yeah, the host of the show is like, oh, and that was Mrs. Incredible.
1: <laughs> and she's just like waving, holding her face like, help. My favorite's always Mike Wazowski, just because he can't get up because he <laughs> His arms are like sticks.
0: My favourite thing is oh. that they're told that if they fall over, just to sit,
1: there. just lay there, someone will come and help them. So it literally looks like he's dead. He's just fallen over and completely ceased movement.
0: <laughs> I'm just remembering that video of Mike Wazowski where he just he turns around, he's got those stupid stick arms, and then he just falls, <laughs> just <laughs> eats crap on the ground. <laughs> oh Oh. we
1: need to watch one of those compilations again they are good (laughs) that's that's what we're going to do as soon as we finish this show uh but yeah unfortunately push the talking trash can as we said uh wasn't owned or operated by disney and in 2014 disney actually ceased the contract they didn't renew it so push is no longer around we kind of saw what the what looked to be the next level of push remember when they were like disney's Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will have roaming interactive droids. Yeah, they promise. Push 2.0, baby. Push 2.0. And then Disney went, ha ha, tricked you. It was that problem
0: of like a lot of the droid designs are very cool and you definitely can have those droids roaming around. But then they came to that problem of it's like, these are heavy these are, like, what if they fall on people and, you know, you're just going to have congestion wherever they go. Like, if yeah. they come out, people are just going to assault these droids. There is no way <laughs> to prevent people from just, like, completely, you know, taking these droids apart. And, you know, you can have handlers with them as well, but then it's kind of like, what's well, the did you point? See?
1: Yeah. Did you see what happened? So, they actually trialed these droids at Disneyland at Tomorrowland. Mm. And they just got assaulted by kids. <laughs> kids were like climbing all over them, like hitting them. And it was exactly a crowd around these poor droid who's just getting wailed on. Kids are the worst. Like, yeah. Legitimately, there are so many things
0: where it's like Disneyland and the magic and everything would just be so much better if kids just weren't such assholes. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, yes.
1: <laughs> so push goes, but the next one that kind of comes is almost the kind hey, of a push hey as Luke. well. Oh, here we go. What
0: what happened to the push contract? What they canned it.
1: <laughs> they binned the idea. To be fair, they... it was better than I, you were, I thought you were going to say something like, oh, they pushed it off of the over the edge. Oh they... gonna, So, yours was better than what I thought, <laughs> but the fact that I, my brain thought that's where you were going to go says a lot. Let's yeah, be honest that's here. that's fair. I'll accept that. I will accept so moving, my you'll fate. Accept, moving on uh, to one of the next ones, which I think is probably one of the coolest ones. Yeah. Uh, this one... Kind of comes and goes, uh, but it's the Muppet Mobile Lab, a free-roving audio animatronic entertainment attraction designed by uh, Walt Disney Imagineering that had been seen over time at Disney California Adventure Park, Hong Kong Disneyland, and recently, as in like the last five years, back at Epcot. When they started to close stuff at Epcot, yeah, and they were like, "Uh, it's back, everyone! <laughs> Something to look at for while we destroy
0: the park." They always do this where they'll just like, if there's ever a lull, they'll just roll out Muppet Mobile. They'll just be like, here we go. This is also one of those things where they bring it in and it's awesome and everyone loves it. And then Disney's like, hey, wait a minute we make no money off this. And then so they chuck it back in the shelves. And I think I want to bring up that point where it's like, everyone wonders, it's like, Oh, why don't they keep on expanding the DCI? Why don't they keep the Disney living character initiative Mm. around? Ultimately at the end of the day, This doesn't make Disney any money. Like, all of
1: these technologies,
0: all of these actors... They're expensive. (laughs) And they're equity actors
1: as well, aren't they? Like, they have to be trained in these sort of things. It's often seen as a a thing in theme parks in general. Entertainment is often neglected in parks because it makes no direct money. Yeah. You can have even attractions. You might say, oh, well, you're sitting on the attraction. You're not making any money. There's a reason attractions exit through a gift shop. Yeah. And Um, I think... Entertainment very rarely does. (laughs) A lot of that comes down to,
0: you know... Upper, mental, upper management or people who don't understand the impact that these sort of things have on theme parks. They're mm. the people who are most likely to cut them or the people who are most likely to just feel that they're not really necessary. But the thing for me is that if you go to a park and see a worthwhile show that's 30, 45 minutes and you're enjoying that experience, you're within a line to get into there and, yeah, it takes you a bit to get out. Overall, that entire experience is going to be about an hour and a half to two hours. And if you come out of Mm -hmm. a park and you've spent that sort of time and you've just seen two shows, that's four hours of your time filled. And it's like that then goes into the value proposition of the ticket. And if you're then putting it up to, uh, say, for example, Do I want to go to Hong Kong Disneyland or do I want to go to Ocean Park? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, the way I convinced myself to go to Hong Kong Disneyland was that they had the entertainment. If I spent the day there, I was able to see the Golden Mickeys, I was able to see the Lion King, and then I could chuck some rides on there. If I go to Ocean Park, it's like, yeah, it has way more attractions. And I would say that the attractions that they had on an amusement park level, so not a theme park level, but on a just general ride case-by-case basis, the rides at Ocean Park were better. But would I prefer to go to Hong Kong and pay the additional, like, it was like an additional 300, 400 Australian dollars for the season park, um, the season pass. Pass, I would go to Hong Kong because I would much prefer to see entertainment and be entertained.
1: Yeah. And And it's the difference, the Disney difference. Yeah. And we've seen it in the last few years, especially. They keep stripping back those things that make it the Disney difference. And Living Character Initiative, to me, is peak Disney. And that's the... the, It's like a
0: super simple way as well that theme parks can lift their game. Like if, Mm. say for example, we consider... I think we can both safely say from our Movie World episode that we both consider <laughs> Movie World to be a little bit lesser to what it was than back in the day. And I think a lot of that comes down to the entertainment offerings. Like, if they had high-quality, engaging entertainment that wasn't just some drifting cars, maybe that's just an interesting. <laughs> but for me, it's, it doesn't interest me at all. So I go to that park and it's like, cool, I've done DC Rivals, I've done Superman, I've done yeah. um, Scooby-Doo.
1: I've done now the
0: park, what essentially, yeah. Whereas if I had an entertainment offering that was super popular, you know, you had to plan it in your day. It's like one thirty. we have to see this show. And, yeah, yeah, yeah Hollywood stunt driver,
1: it fills up. That's what it, they want it to be, but it's not.
0: It's also one of those things where it's like, I personally don't know anyone who likes that
1: show. No and we've got yeah, a same, lot of friends as you said who, it's always full but i i people like it i guess and we're not but like i don't
0: know who they are <laughs> yeah the theme park community that we're a part of they're not all just middle class white people like it's a huge demographic of people and all of them collectively agree that it's a bad show so yeah, i'm just wondering like is it specifically designed to please people for the 45 minutes or whatever it is and then just essentially pump and dump? Like, okay, they're never going to see yeah. this again. Just get them in. Yeah, Add to the matter. single day value proposition. It's I don't know. Yeah. It's I feel like these sort of things, the living character initiative, are exactly what you said. It's the Disney difference that we're starting yeah. to see slowly taken away because someone like Bob Chapek can't see quantifiable dollar figures. And that's where he comes you from. See, yeah. He comes from retail. If you see
1: Muppet Mobile Lab or whatever it is, and you say, oh, well, this cost even $5 million and probably didn't cost that much. Yeah. But this cost $5 million to develop and then it costs us $500 a day in cast members and upkeep. Oh, well, but that's not worth it. Nobody's buying a Muppets Mobile Lab shirt. Nobody's buying a Muppets Mobile Lab pin This is just costing money, but they don't see, hey, guess what? If you have a lot of the time, you'll notice Muppet Mobile Lab, especially at Epcot. Oh, it's very conveniently close to, you know, mouse gear or right next to the pin store Mm. or these sort of things. And from there, if that absorbs guests for a little bit and makes them happy for 10 minutes, hey, that's a happy guest that's now going off into your shopping part of the park that's a happy guest that didn't have to wait an hour and a half to have a fun experience hey
0: disney you want to make money off this here's an idea here's an idea from uncle dom Mm. here we go for free you can have this one (laughs) just chuck it in a restaurant like (laughs) just have an area of the restaurant where it's like oh don't go beyond there just theme it just have it so that the restaurants in like this enclosed area here we go I'm gonna have it you're inside the Muppets warehouse above you you've got all of the props and you've got these big steel beams and then there's an area it's like don't go beyond here that's where the people are working and then <laughs> you're sitting there you're eating everyone's got like an outside view it's tiered so everyone can see and then the mobile lab comes out maybe some puppets come out and interact with people bam there you go charge people a Hundred dollars for
1: it, <laughs> <laughs> which they were they were going to have that uh, a Muppet restaurant that had some similar interactivity. Remember mm. that where currently Pizza Rizzo is, uh, Mama Melrose was meant to be a Muppet area. Hey, Mama
0: Melrose, <laughs> uh,
1: the Mama Melrose was meant to be like Rizzo's, you know, Italian restaurant. And they'd have animatronic rats that would skate around above your head serving you food. Mm. So that is... And the next one we'll talk about is pretty much exactly that. But to finish up on this, Muppet Mobile Lab is awesome. If you haven't seen it, go watch a video. It's essentially animatronics in a rocket ship on top of a Segway that's able to roll around on those two wheels in the same way Segway works and looks kind of magical. But it was specifically designed so that guests could see there's no way to hide a puppeteer inside of it. Yeah. The other
0: thing as well I'll say about this one is that it's even though this is one of my favorites, it's probably one of the least interactive.
1: Like it's it's no, no. fairly scripted. It's fully interactive, but it's in it's, a very different way. It's so voiced, it's in like big circle line it's, voice it's, lines, isn't it? It's live puppeteered. Well, I'll be damned. I thought it was... (laughs) So, this is one of the ones that's live puppeteered from quite a distance away. Ah. When they were testing this at Disney California Adventure, uh, Muppet Mobile Lab was around the Muppet Vision 3D attraction, but it was being puppeteered from Glendale at Imagineering. So, they'd have essentially... And when they were testing it, it was being puppeteered by the actual Muppet performer who plays Dr... Uh, Bunsen Honeydew. It eventually became, you know, another another performer instead. Obviously, but it is a direct interaction. So they can call out to specific guests. The guests can call back. They can then respond to that guest directly by name. Interact. You can say, "Hey, you over there with the Muppet Vision T uh, Muppet Vision shirt. What's your name? Oh, my name's John. Okay, John, you want to join us for an experiment?" Like it is truly ah, interactive. Okay, sorry, I my yeah. I made an assumption
0: once again. Dom's <laughs> wrong. Uh, have a drink. <laughs> Uh, so, Luke has no has no life, so knows all of this stuff <laughs> off the top of his head This is why this podcast works Because it's pretty much like <laughs> Dumb Man and Smart Man, the podcast Which is how every podcast is structured Which um, this is the
1: only topic I'm the smart man on So yeah. I'll take it while I can uh, So Muppet Mobile Lab, yeah, lasts for a while It is got, you know, built into this rocket ship looking thing it's got heaps of cameras speakers microphones all those sort of things so it can see it can hear mm. uh when it comes back in twenty sixteen, 16 it's there for a little while and then it goes away again but it actually won in 2009 uh thea award for outstanding achievement in technical the technical class mm. which is pretty cool because yeah this is not I, I think the coolest part as well is they can actually d- disassemble it take the animatronics off and have them just like sitting on a park bench interacting with guests. Oh, wow. So, they've, they've tested that, and but I don't think that ever came to be because it is cooler to see it kind of rolling around on this rocket ship that, yeah, you can see there's no puppeteer hiding in it. It has to be autonomous vehicle. Yeah. And so, where I made the assumption before that it
0: wasn't, yeah, you know, it was recorded beforehand, not live recorded is that i saw a video which had the voice which sounded identical to dr honeydew and so i just yeah. assumed that I was like oh it had to be <laughs> recorded but it must have just been the guy <laughs> yeah or a really good voice yeah. actor <laughs> so but sorry that was my one of our assumption
1: <laughs> from one of the best interactive living character initiative characters to one of the worst Next, we're going to talk, just quickly, because there's not much to talk about, about Remy. So, Remy, the little rat from Ratatouille, the little chef, uh, used to perform tableside to guests at Les Chefs de France in oh, Epcot's World chefs. Showcase. <laughs> uh, so, according to Disney, Remy entertains the patrons through movements and lively banter. Uh. Along with his maitre d', he will make stops at each table in the restaurant, so everyone can introduce, uh, everyone can interact with him. He kind of did nothing... But it was kind of cool because he was so small. Yeah. So this is 2009. So this is still 12 years ago. So to have such a small character is kind of cool. But he doesn't speak English. And I don't even really. Th- I'm sure he kind of does. But he doesn't Sorry, even not- really seem to
0: interact. He doesn't speak French either. He just doesn't speak any <laughs> language. <laughs> yeah, he
1: squeaks. He's a rat. But he very like the interactivity doesn't really seem to be there in the videos that I've seen. Yeah. He's small and he kind of just goes eep, 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 and like moves his hands and kind of shifts back and forth. <laughs> that's it. It's kinda cool. It only lasted for one summer. Surprise, surprise. All of these only last for a very short amount of time for some reason.
0: Yeah. It like it's nifty, but you can see there's mm. a, a photo that you've included that's a bit of a vibe. Um the person looks like he's legitimately shocked that Remy's mm. under there and the lady is like, yo, what's this? But you can actually yeah. see like the pole that's up it? Remy's butt. Like it reflects in the actual tray. You can just see it. It's What? It's like a Ew. little shiny bit right underneath Remy, but it's got a reflection there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I would imagine that it's, you know, that ruins the illusion. If you can see how it works or if it's very simple. Uh, You
1: can't really from the front from the videos I've seen.
0: The thing for me is that it's like it is obvious to everyone that the contraption is underneath Remy. Whereas I like things like Mobile Lab where it's yeah. like you can't necessarily immediately say where the contraption is. Similar to Lucky, similar to Talking Mickey and all of that, which we'll, yeah. we'll talk about so in a second.
1: Remy, as well, was on this kind of, well, what you'd expect in a restaurant, a little trolley with a big white tablecloth over the top. So yeah. it's a rather large thing for a rather small animatronic. Yeah, it's it's very insignificant. It It is what yeah. it is. <laughs> Uh, We'll move on. It's not that important, but we'll move on to one that is important. Talking Mickey. Mm. This is probably one of the ones I would say most people have seen apart from the like live puppeteered shows. Yeah. And now this is not the same as the, in the best way, the puppet Mickeys. So if you see any of the stage shows where the characters talk in simplest form, those aren't animatronics. They're essentially just puppets. Yeah. If you want to see how it works, watch the characters' hands and fingers. They're essentially live puppeting the mouth, the eyes and stuff like that, along to the soundtrack. Those aren't living character initiatives. What we talk about when we talk about Talking Mickey is the Mickey that used to interact with you at Town Square at the Magic Kingdom. They actually trialed this one at... Uh, Disneyland as well But it only kind of became a day-to-day thing At the Magic Kingdom Now this is the one that you May have been talking about Where you're kind of saying that It's all pre-recorded yeah, Which it is But it's essentially A ballet between a number of Performers and technicians To make it work Yeah So I've got on the show notes For you to see as well I'll explain it to the listeners Essentially, the way that the conversation can go. So somewhere off site, as far as I know, the, the ones that used to be at the Magic Kingdom were not within the Magic Kingdom. The people who were doing the actual controlling the Mickey, essentially. So you have your performer in the costume who has an earpiece on, who is interact, who the, you know, the person far away who's actually controlling the talking part is interacting with them so they know how to act react to it yeah so essentially so the first group of lines is called the greetings so then you've got four different lines and two different beats that you can mix and partner together so for example your character uh, your guest comes in the person who's off site has four buttons that they can hit one that says hey pal one that says hello there one that says "Hiya," and one that says hi there Then on the next beat, there's another line they can hit. You know, they can say, oh, I'm glad you stopped by. It sure is nice to meet you. Oh, boy, am I glad you stopped by. Or I'm so excited to see you. Yeah. And then by mixing these together, depending on what the guests are saying, they can truly seem as if they're having an actual interaction with Mickey Mouse. He can say, you know, oh, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. He can interact with certain things you're wearing, pins, stuff like that. And this... Even as an adult, even knowing how it worked, this was really cool. He's still very impressive. Like, there
0: was a little bit of lag between the responses. And I remember because I've yeah. experienced this one
1: myself. But it was the better and worse times, though. So, I think that almost has to do with the the performer, yeah, essentially. To the person behind the scenes. But we had that yeah.
0: thing where we came in and it was like, you know, oh, boy, am I glad you stopped by. And then mm. he was like, what are you up to? Or, like... Yeah, you know, what what are you gonna do next? And we're oh, like, yeah. um, oh well where we're going to go get some food, and it was like, oh, boy, am I hungry. I could go for a yeah. bucket of popcorn
1: or something like that. Um, yeah, but and then I think it was like, oh, I'm going to go ride Space Mountain or something. <laughs> no,
0: you're thinking of that dumb advertisement where it's like, and we'll take you to ride California Screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: Michael that. That's the greatest. <laughs> that is the greatest... Piece of media of all time. The DCA 2001 special. One day we're going to have to do a live stream where we watch it. Yeah, for those who have made it an hour in, this is
0: our gift to you. We are one day going to do a commentary video (laughs) of that. We're going to sit down, we're going (laughs) to watch it live together, we're going to have a few drinks and we're
1: going to commentate it. So stay tuned for that. If you have any other TV specials as well that you would like us to do, we could make a little little couple of hours shtick out of it. Yeah. Send him on through. We'd love to see what you want to know. <laughs> but yeah, Talking Mickey is awesome. Unfortunately, he's now removed. Yeah, he's, he's retired. Just... And this happened pre-pandemic. He just went back to mute Mickey, I guess you yeah. could call him. Which
0: would have been um, very stark because there would have been like a day where he was there and then the next day he wasn't. And imagine yeah. like oh, taking Mickey's your got a kid sore throat. and it's like, oh, let's go. And then the kids go and they're like trying to chat. And he's like,
1: "Yeah, no. <laughs> Which I've heard a few things. I was like, oh, it's, you know, capacity. Oh, it's this. I think we all know what it was. It was probably mm. cost money. <laughs> <laughs> what would he expect a couple of anything less? Instead of just one per Mickey. Yeah. But Dom, we're getting to the end now of Living Character Initiative. But mm. we have to take a moment to look back at our... Fallen Angels, yeah. of the Living Character Initiative. In These the are characters who didn't even make it for the month the or for the season. They away, may have been seen only once or maybe even zero times. First, I just got to have a little sniffle. <laughs> Good luck editing The was that. so beautiful. Thank I you. didn't want to cut it out. You were just like, oh... <laughs> Oh, it's just brought some tears to my eyes. Okay. are you ready? The first one. Can we continue? Uh, yeah. Okay, all right. Let's go. Okay, the first fallen angel. The Amazing Destiny.
0: A young boy. <laughs> my father. And it's bringing tears to what, our eyes. What was this? Ears. I don't
1: know anything about this. Uh, so, the Amazing Destiny was, you know, Zoltar? You know, the, the like fortune telling animatronic? Yes. You puts your money in and it goes, hello, I'm Zoltar. Have I ever blah, heard blah, blah. you say that you want to get a tattoo of Zoltar? I didn't say... No, I love Zoltar. Oh. I wouldn't get a tattoo of him. Oh. But I did say I want a Zoltar machine. Maybe oh. <laughs> you misheard me.
0: Okay. Maybe I just... Okay. Never mind. It must Maybe have been someone else. I wish I wanted
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I love Zoltar. Uh, but I'm not a tattoo level. Love. Uh, so, this character was essentially an experiment to show how audio animatronics can interact with incoming guests. This character was only seen at Disneyland for two days in 2010 and then showed up for the three days of the D23 Expo in 2011 and has never been seen since. (laughs) This character is a fortune-telling robot, but the really, really cool thing about this is there's no human operator involved. Destiny was completely autonomous. So... Destiny had technology and sensors that were able to detect facial, uh, facial recognition to understand guest's emotion, give them a uh, personal interactive experience, and also had a memory so he would know if you came back to him later in the day what he had said to you before. Oh, wow. That's pretty, pretty incredible. He can, yeah, he could also like uh, see if you had cameras and stuff like that. He could interact and say, oh, I'm on my own TV show, like stuff like that. He could essentially, yeah. So Destiny's able to read how many people are talking to him, measuring someone's height to guess if they're an adult or a kid. This was incredible Mm. to see because, as we said, there's no actor, there's no puppeteer, there's no performer. Destiny is a completely self thinking, self talking animatronic, essentially. That's wild. It was sick. It was seen for five days (laughs) and never been seen since for the last 10 years. It's never... Nothing's even ever been done with that technology, from what I know. Unless it went into the ROS. You know how... Uh, Nope, so the ROS is controlled. Oh. So is Mr. Potato Head. So there is a a cast member who has to hit specific buttons. Those are both living characters that we haven't mentioned, but... Kind of. I, I can't, we only kind of talked about the the cooler ones. So for those, so yeah, Roz at the end of uh, DCA's Monsters Inc attraction, as well as Mr Potato Head. Mm. There's just a cast member pushing the buttons to interact with guests, but it's quite limited to what they can and can't say. Yeah. Similar to the Mickey. Um, but the last one we'll talk about, a last fallen angel. This uh, Destiny showed up in a park for two days. This one. Never showed up in a park. Mm. This was Wally, a life size Wally living character initiative who could roll around of his own accord. He appeared uh, at downtown LA for the like debut of the film. He did a few talk shows randomly and then D23, same as Destiny, uh, but he was never seen in a park because he was apparently too heavy and if he <laughs> rolled over a guest foot he would have broken it yeah from what i understand he's got treads so he's not
0: exactly mm-hmm. suitable for a theme park it is just interesting that they've never used these in any other capacity beyond just like oh let's have these roaming around it's like why not just so have weird wally say, like in an area yeah. of his own like maybe have him on a little elevated
1: platform and he's like just doing his own he thing just- yeah exactly but I don't get it as well, yeah. It's very strange to me. It's a shame because these are so cool. If you haven't kind of got that from the episode so far, we love Living Character Initiative. Hmm. I love this idea of actual interactivity. It's very it's cool. So mu- like, cool, yeah, it's cool to meet Mickey, but it's more cool to meet Mickey just to get a picture with Mickey. It's not, act- like, to meet Mickey, yeah, sure. kind of deep down know that it's a person in a costume. Yeah. When they can actually interact with you you kind of forget that. That's been that
0: thing that I've sort of carried around is that I still remember that experience of meeting the talking Mickey for the first time and being like oh crap that was awesome even as an adult it was like that's incredible and now it's like I can't even think of a lot of the other experiences where I've got Pictures with characters. And I'm like, yeah, you just got a picture. Like...
1: Yeah. That's it. It's that next level. And as we said earlier in the show, that's the Disney difference. Living Character Initiative is, to me, the definition of the Disney difference. Yeah. Does this make a... All of these are additions. None of these really, except for, you know, the live puppeted stuff, none of these are standalone attractions. Mm. These are just little bits that add... Um, And as we talked about earlier in the show, we haven't really seen it recently. And whilst Disney rarely uses the words living character initiative anymore, there is still a couple of things I've seen in like the last week that remind me of this. First, um, there's like a Tinkerbell, life-size Tinkerbell meet and greet. Oh. Testing at DCA at the moment. And it's done through a mix of like projections, uh, little physical effects that happen. So it is like a life-size Tinkerbell. Oh, So wow. it like, could fit in your palm. And she kind of flies around the room. And then she actually, she flies into this little tube, or this little bottle, sorry, that has like an amplifier on it. And then she can talk to you from there. And she's actually live interacting and talking to you. I haven't seen a great video of it. So I'm not sure if it's essentially like Tinkerbell in front of a blue screen. And then that Tinkerbell is coming into the bottle and is the one who's talking to you and stuff as yeah. well. I've only seen one video of this. It was testing at that Taste of Disney event the other day at DCA. Uh, This looks really cool. Probably will never be used knowing Disney. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, a a way to meet a life size Tinkerbell. Um, That is very cool. The other one, apparently recently, so there was that Disney media event that was only for invited media, and Twitter kind of melted down because they apparently showed a working lightsaber. But they also showed, from what I've heard, I haven't seen a picture of it because I will, we weren't invited. Disney, mm. come on, pick up your game. Uh, they showed off a walking baby Groot, life-size baby Groot that could walk around of its own accord. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, because they, the, they had the Groot and, like, little tiny animatronic that you could yeah, meet. the puppet. Who had, the like, Star-Lord. the wires.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so this one can apparently walk around of its own accord. Not sure if it's going to be a part of... Um, Avengers Campus, probably not. I feel Belting like Disney. so many- they got the Stuntronic. So many That's of cool. these things just feel like
0: some Imagineers just been tinkering on it, like in their free time. Yeah. And then comes over one day to their management and is like, hey, check this out. And they're <laughs> like, this is cool.
1: We have nowhere that we can put this. <laughs> yeah. It very much seems that it's that whole, you know- Neat. This will never be used or yeah. never be seen again. I just like uh, this because it, it, it's neat. <laughs> it also seems like Disney flexing a bit. Like, oh, look how good we are. Yep. Okay, that's all you needed. Now you know how good we are. We don't need to actually use it. Or a lot of these maybe might not be up to being used for years and years and years yeah. and years. And years it's time, that which thing which where I think it's is like, another thing.
0: This works roughly. And yeah. everyone's saying that the the real lightsaber... Like whatever they've come up with To do that Because apparently it was like It
1: was in a box It looks great on video Yeah Like it looks like a real lightsaber And they specifically came out and said This is not a camera trick Mm. This is what it actually looks like Rumors are it's going to be used in the uh, Hotel Yeah
0: so they're going to use it in the experience where you, like, knock away the lasers. The and of $2, course $2, they are. dollars a night
1: experience? Luke, of, of course. Of course they are. I only spent $230 to build my own lightsaber. Oh, poor, that's chump change compared to $2,000 a night. I'm just going to throw it out there. Look,
0: I don't have a whole lot of money to stay in that hotel, but Disney... I'll go on the record saying here that I will happily give you a good review
1: if you put me <laughs> on that damn ship. <laughs> Every Disney park's a hundred out of a hundred moving forward on review time. If you, if we get to stay at the Galactic Star, we'll so probably Disney, be like, "Come on, you know how you they know have how the, to get in touch." The different we're a little tiers. bit negative
0: lately, but you can win us back. It's very easy. <laughs> the different tiers of media, where it's like, okay, this is the A tier, this is the B tier, and yeah. the, they like go down in access. We're like the people who just get to walk through <laughs> it. And then you've got your Tim trackers I'll who it's it. like, oh, you get to go it. on a <laughs> personal experience, but it also must suck be in Chepec and be like, that experience is almost ready. And I can't put anyone in what is basically an on land cruise ship because it would just
1: become a COVID hotspot. <laughs> yep. But I think that's gonna do it for this episode. So Dom, I'll leave you with one last question. You can bring back permanently any living character, initiative character. Who would it be?
0: I'm going to go the selfless route for this one because I think oh. that Mickey is the one that, you know, it made, it made yeah. kids trips. Like when they for got sure. to meet Mickey and he was actually talking back to them, like as an mm. adult, sure, I kind of could figure out how that worked. You know, if you're a teenager, but if you were like eight, you've met Mickey and he's talking to you like that. That's something that makes a trip. And I think that you you can take that away and you can justify it for all of the costs. But the thing that Disney excels at is generational investment. That whole thing, Mm -hmm. like, you're a testament to it. Your grandmother took you, and you're probably going to take your kids. Hell, I'm basically a kid because you've taken me plenty of times. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that thing
1: where it's like... Yeah, I agree. It's those things. It it makes the difference. The Disney difference. There it is Mm. for the fifth time this episode. Uh, To me, though, sorry. Sorry, Zoltar. I'm not going to get a tattoo of you. (laughs) I'm going to get a tattoo of the amazing destiny wherever it, it... design me a tattoo of the amazing destiny of listeners. And I won't get it because I'm scared of tattoos. Uh, I'm going to, well, let's get a matching Netflix tattoo on our bums.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> okay Broden. <and> <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's gonna that concludes for, the podcast <laughs> for this week. We hope you've enjoyed. What would you, if you could bring back any living character, let us know. You can get in touch with us. I'm on Twitter at review time. Luke. I'm at review time. Dumb. Get both of us at Time Review, which I got a notification today. It's our one year anniversary on Twitter. Yay! At Time Review. It's one year since we've lost access to our old at Review Time <laughs> account. Moment of silence, but you can still get us at Review Time everywhere else. Next week, I think, is a park discussion. Yeah. So any sneaky. Teasers of what the park might be? Well this week I was like, oh we should do an episode
0: on Tokyo Disneyland sometime. Mm. And you know me might um, be sooner than you thought. <laughs> You'll schedule so things like months in for advance. The first and I'll be like, This gives me episode. the good dopamine. <laughs> Alright.
1: <laughs> That'll do it. We'll catch you next week. Bye See ya. Review Time's Theme Park Cast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. A big shout-out goes to our newest patron, Kelsey O'Cannon, long-term patron Ray Dredge, and to you, the listener. Review Time's Theme Park Cast will be back next week.